Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for waking us this morning, Lord, and for giving us the grace to come into the house of God once again, to give glory and honor to your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for our last night's laying down and for this morning's rising. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, how you continue to just keep us. And we know, God, and can testify that you are a keeping God. And we thank you, Lord, that you continue to keep us, that you continue to provide for us, that you continue to heal us. And we just thank you, God. And we magnify you, O oh Lord, on this day, at this moment, in this time, to bring praise to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would come forth, God, and teach your people, Father. For it is written in your scripture that there is one who teaches, and that is the anointing. And I pray, O oh God, that you would teach your people through your anointing, that my soul may bear witness of your wondrous works, that I may give glory and honor to your holy name, and that your people might be filled with the power and what you call for them to receive this day. In the name of Jesus, touch now, God, and strengthen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, just a quick um, testimony to just this teaching. You know, pastor called me, texted me, and he said, he said, brother, I need you to teach. July the 3rd, can you do it? And I said, oh, I don't know. And then I thought to myself, I said, if I was to teach, what would I teach? And then the Spirit of the Lord said, the gifts. And then Pastor texted me back before I could even call him. And he said, I need you to teach on the gifts. And I said, Pastor, I said, I got to do it. I said, that's confirmation from the Lord, you know. And concerning spiritual gifts, you know, if you was to do a survey in most churches, most people really don't know what their gifts are. And, you know, not knowing what your gift is, the enemy can, can use this as a tool. He can use this ignorance of not knowing as a tool. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And we know that this knowledge that he's talking about is the knowledge of God's way. And how many of you know that as his children, we need to understand the ways of the spirit. We know enough about the flesh, but we need to understand the ways of the spirit. And to understand the ways of the spirit, we need to understand what God has enabled us with. Because all of us have a gift, which I like to call a power. Because there is a power of God that moves through that gift, whereby we're able to bear witness to what God does. And therefore, we always have a testimony and never fall short of a testimony because we see the power of God move through his gifts. So God showed me this lesson from the aspect of the tactics that the enemy uses to keep the church disjointed and disconnected. And like I said, one of those tactics he used is the ignorance of not knowing your gift. And he uses this as a door to cause discord in the church 
by keeping the church body busy on worldly things and gossiping about others, diverting the true mission of the body of Christ. Somebody travel with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. And I'm a King Jameser, so if anybody got the King James, I, you know, I love the hair of the King James. <laughs> yep. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Stop right there. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you unknowing of what your gift is. And we know that in the book of Corinthians, Paul addresses a lot of sins that the church was performing. And one of the sins that he addressed in that was the sin of dissension and discord where you had the people, the congregation, looking at, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. And see, what was happening in that moment, people were so fixated on the gifts of those men that they didn't realize that God gave them a gift too. And that the gift that you have is for the body. But if you're so fixated on someone else's gift, then how can yours come out? So therefore, we can't always be focused on what the pastor's doing or what the deacons are doing or what the elders are doing, but we have to focus on the things that God has placed within us so that we can understand what God has put in us, so that we can understand our identity in Christ, so that God's power can flow through us in the capacity in which he called for it to flow. Now, when you go to the next verse, Paul says, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Now, if we look at today's culture, and we see how things flow in today's culture. Back then, an idol was, you know, a, a, a carving of a statue of something that people would set up and worship. In this day and time, the idol is self. You know... When you look at the culture and you see what's going on out here, you have, you know, uh, women are out here cutting themselves to, to, to conform themselves to a certain image. And that image is now being worshipped by men. And when that happens, how many know that you're not focused on God's work? You're not focused on serving the Lord. You focus on that image that you see. And this is a tactic that the devil used to keep the body of Christ disjointed and disconnected. And in order for us to fulfill the purpose that God has for this house, the body has to be tightly formed and knit together, everyone working in the capacity in which God has called for us to work. Right? So even, even men in these days and times are being carried away with these adulterous things. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a man with a bald head. I work as a barber. You know, now men are getting wigs to look like something totally different. 
You know, so everybody is focused on self. And the Bible says that in the last days, men would be what? I know y'all some Bible readers. They will be lovers of themselves. And a lot of times we read the scripture, but we don't think about the how. How are these things going to occur? And this is one of the tactics that God has showed me to keep the church disjointed and not connected by using these adulterous things. Somebody travel with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Amen. See how this, this adulterous thinking and the, is, is linked up with vanity? He said that this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that we henceforth walk not as the nations, as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. See, we know that vanity means moral corruption. It means excessive pride in one's appearance. And see, when we allow the, the enemy to infiltrate us with the spirit of vanity, how many of you know that your mind is not on serving the Lord? Amen. Your mind is not on your gift being cultivated. Your mind is not on um, growing in the fullness thereof. It's not on being a member connected. And see, God showed me that this is a tactic that the enemy uses. Because if you listen to some of the doctrines that's being taught out here, it's all based in materialism. So if I'm always thinking about that house I'm going to get, or that car I want to drive, or that money I want to have, I'm not thinking about serving the Lord. And if I'm not thinking about serving the Lord, then how can my gift be active in the body? How can I help my brethren if my mind is focused on myself? Mm. I can't see your need. Mm. I can't even sense the aspect that you need prayer that you're hurting. Mm. Because all I'm thinking about is what's the next thing that I want to get and what I want to do. So these are tactics that the enemy uses to keep the church disjointed and disconnected. And like you read in that scripture, he said that, they, they walked in the futility of their minds. And when we look at that word futility, it means that their thoughts were fruitless. Mm. That their thoughts were useless. Mm. How many of you know that when you're constantly thinking about yourself, mm. that those are fruitless thoughts? Mm. There's no power of God flowing through self-animation. Mm. God can't flow through that. He can only flow through the capacity of the power that he's given you and the gift that he set in you. Somebody travel with me to, um, where am I? Give me a minute, give me a minute. Uh, uh, 
what's first John, no, uh, John 15 and chapter, I mean, verse 1. Yep. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Read on. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may be that it may bear more fruit. You see that? This is the reason why we can't allow vanity to infiltrate our minds, or to infiltrate this body of Christ. God got work for this house. But as the members of the body, we have to come together to operate in the fullness of the capacity of the gift that God has given us. And God expects for us to bear fruit. He said everyone that bears fruit he going to prune. You thought what you was going through was for you, but it wasn't for you. It was so that God could chop some dead attitudes off you, some dead ways of thinking, so that your gift could be cultivated in you. That's the reason why. And then when we read on in that verse, it talks about us abiding in the Lord. The only way we're going to bear fruit is to abide in him. See, if we were out in the world and we were training as a, a boxer, how many of you know God is in the ring telling you, Bob, weave, duck, throw a punch now? He's our trainer. He's teaching us. But if our mind ain't on him, I'm not going to know when to bob. So therefore, I'm getting hit. I ain't going to know when to weave. So therefore, I'm getting struck. This is the reason why we cannot allow, and I have to stress this point, because we live in a very, we live in an age where vanity is at an all-time high. Yeah. And nobody gifts is being developed in the church because everybody's mind is focused on itself. Mm. That's not how it's supposed to be. Um, go back to Ephesians 17. No, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse 17. I wanna, it's a point that I missed in there that I want to bring out. As a matter of fact, I'm there, so I'm going to just read it. He said that in verse 18, he said, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Vanity blinds the heart. And it suppresses the gift within you. And this is a tactic that the enemy uses to keep the church disjointed and disconnected. And that's why it's so important for us not to allow vanity to infiltrate the church. If, if all of us were a string of Christmas lights and we were all plugged up to the source, all of them lights going to glow. And all of their different spaces and their different lanes. If vanity comes into the church, then the source of that is now gone, and now we focused on self. And, and the power of God can't flow. Amen? Um, give me a minute. It's been a while, Pastor. It's, it's been a while. 
Uh, another tactic that the enemy uses that God showed me when it comes to concerning gifts is thinking that we all can do everything. You know, what's, what's the going uh, slogan in the church that, what is it, 20% of the people do? Oh, 5% is, oh, wow. I was going way too high, Pastor. <laughs> I was way too high with it. 5% of the people doing all 100% of the work? How many of you know that the church body is not meant to function like that? That God has given every last one of us here under the sound of my voice and listening abroad a gift. And that that gift is not for you. It's for me. My gift not for me. It's for you. But if we all get caught in this aspect of thinking that we all can do everything, then how many of you know that that's going to cause for you to get burnt out? It's going to cause for you to get frustrated. And the enemy going to use these things to what? Keep the church disjointed and disconnected. See, these are the tactics that God showed me of how the enemy infiltrates the church to keep the body of Christ disconnected. Why? Because he fears if the body of Christ come together and operate in the capacity that God called it to operate in. So, therefore, when 5% of the people is doing all of the work, how many of you know that all the time you're not operating through your gift? That sometimes you're operating in your talent. And I'll be the first one to tell you, God don't operate through talent. God operates through a gift. Why? Because the gift come with grace. And that grace gives you the strength to work even when you don't want to. Even when you don't feel like it. When you're working through a talent, oh, you get burnt out, you get frustrated. I'm tired of this. You might even want to leave the church. You know, like quick story, um, another tactic and with this uh, working through talent. One of my clients, I was talking to this brother, and he's a brother in the Lord, and we always, you know, discuss the word. And, you know, he told me that at one of his churches he was at, he was the armor bearer. So he says to me, he says, um, yeah, man, the new church I'm at, you know, they not using me right. You know, um, I was, a, I was a, a bodyguard in the world. So, um, you know, I, wa- I want to be the pastor bodyguard. I want to protect the, the pastor. And in the same breath, he says to me, yo, man, somebody called me up out of the blue and said that they started going to church. It was somebody that I was ministering to. And he called me up and said he started going back to church. And even his girlfriend is coming with him. And she grew up in the Jewish faith or the Catholic faith, one of those. And I said to him, I said, man, do you see what's going on here? I said, the devil got you so focused on your talent that you're avoiding your gift. I said, whenever God shows you the fruit of your labor, he's showing you the gift. He's showing you that because he wants you to work more. He wants you to grow more. He wants that gift in you to be cultivated more. That's the reason why. So I told him, I said, do you know what your gift is? He was like, um, I don't know. I think it's this or I think it's that. That confusion keeps you from cultivating what's in you because you got to know 
And God don't work through guesswork. God works through assurance. He lets you know. So I says to him, I said, brother, I said, you have a gift of an evangelist. I said, you have a heart for the lost. And in the same breath, he telling me, yeah, man, because it's another brother on my job that I'm ministering to. And I'm trying to get him to give his life to the Lord. I said, you so focused on being a pastor's armor bearer that you, you negating your gift. I said, do you understand the power of an evangelist? I said, brother, and I like to talk through analogies. I said, we all seen, I don't know if we all seen it, but most of us seen that movie Get Out. And in that movie Get Out, when that lady hit that cup, ding, ding, and that brother fell, and his soul fell, and he kept falling, and he kept falling. The Bible teaches us that Christ has given light to every man that has entered into the world. But men love darkness more than they love light. And he said, if they soul be darkened, how dark is it? You know, some of us are in some gross levels of darkness where, say you have the gift of administration and you speaking to a brother who has a gross level of darkness. You don't have the power to penetrate that brother soul the way it need to be. You might speak a word and it might go in a little bit. But when the evangelist comes with the power and the capacity that God has called him in, how many know that that word going to shoot through that darkness like a lightning bolt? And that as it shoots through that darkness, it's going to leave a canal. And that canal is going to be that now when you come without the gift, the words that you give can trickle down to that brother's soul, whereby waking that man up out of his darkness. That's the power of an evangelist that I was telling him. And he said, man, wow. He was like, I, I didn't even look at it like that. I said, because you got your focus in the wrong place. Um, go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. And I'll just read it just for time's sake. He says, for the, for the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? See, what I wanted to point out in this scripture is that notice the distinction in the parts of the body. Each of us play a distinct role in the body. And all of us must understand what our gift is in order for us to assume the right position. If you don't know what's in you, then you jumping into ministries causing fires in the church because you in the wrong place. And you're not operating out of grace, you're operating out of your talent. And God don't operate through talent. So therefore, we must understand what God has put in us. Because if you're the ears and I'm the eyes and we conversating, it's confusion in that. 
because I don't hear what you hear and you don't see what I see. So we all need to be in the same place of what our gifting so that we can communicate effectively so that the body can stand the way it's supposed to be, operating in the full capacity that God called it to operate in. Amen? Amen. Um, go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 7. Oh, stop right there. No, keep standing. I want you to keep reading. He said grace was given according to what? To the measure of the what? Christ's gift. Not your talent. God don't work through talent. God works through the power of the gift that he's given. Keep reading, Stop right there. You see the gift that he's given. This right here would be referred to as the five-fold ministry. This right here can be seen as the Lord's government. Somebody else get um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and um, verse 4. But this right here can be considered as God's government. And each one of us has been given a gift to support the ministration that we're called to. The gift that we have is to support this house so that we can walk and be strengthened in the way that we're supposed to be, where every gift supply of strength so that each joint can stand together. So therefore, we need to be in the fullness of the gift that God has given, not as babes. We don't live in a time of babes. Look what's going on out in the world. We need maturity. We need strong Christians that understand what God has placed in them and that understand the work that's set before them. See, it also reads in um, Ephesians 4 and 12, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And we know that that perfectness is maturity. God wants us to be mature in our gift. It's not one thing just to know you got a gift, but it's to be mature in that gift, to be cultivated in that gift. And sometimes you're going to go through some things so that that gift can grow. Sometimes you're going to be placed in places that you feel like you shouldn't even be placed in. Me just being up here, <laughs> this is a joke to me. Because I know that this is God. 
I didn't. I wasn't never considered a teacher. Are you kidding me? But that's the grace that God has given, and we all must find that place and grow in the maturity of because you need it. You need it. You need it. I need you. You need me. Everybody got to be mature. Because how many of you know, what, what do babes do? They cry, they fuss, and they whine. And they need their diapers changed often. And we can't be operating like that in the body, especially when you have visions plastered on the wall. See, God wants this house to operate in the full capacity by which he called us. Because he got a weight that he want to put on us. But we have to mature in our giftings. First, we got to find out what our giftings are, if you don't know. And then secondly, you need to pray and ask God where he want to use this gift. And then you got to use this little word that we don't use much in the church no more. It's called confirmation. You got to allow the Lord to give you confirmation for where he wants you to be so that you can grow. You can't grow in the wrong place. But when you're in the right place, what the Bible say? Your gift going to make room for you. Right? That's because you're in the right place. That's what my brother Tim told me. You know, when uh, Reverend Heyman preached last time I was in, he, he preached the uh, first responder. And um, as being a first responder, you know, at the end of the sermon, you know, Tim gave a, a nice little mini sermon at, uh, <laughs> at communion. <laughs> And Reverend Heyman was like, hey, hey, Tim, you got to wrap this up. <laughs> Tim was ready to go in. And uh, at the end of church, you know, me and Tim met out in the parking lot. And Tim said, man, you know, Pastor Heyman is right. He said, we are to be first responders. And he was like, we got to respond through our gift. And he was like, when, you, when you're ready to respond, your gift will make room for you. And I, and I knew he was talking to me, and that word was for me, because the next week, Pastor called me and said, I need you to teach. <laughs> so I said, I said, okay, Lord, I, I hear you. <laughs> but um, so when we read on in uh, Ephesians, it says that, um, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, Unto the, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking truth and love may grow up into who? Into him. God wants us in the full measure and stature of Christ operating through the gift that is in us. And we have to take this seriously because if we're not operating in the full measure and stature, how many of you know that in the body, if, if you be the ankle and that ankle is weak, now it can't support the leg. And if it can't support the leg, then we got to find something outside of the body to hold the body up. So now the church got to come up with gimmicks to get people in the house. We don't need no gimmicks. We need the power of God. That's what we need. And we get a full picture of that 
when we listened to John preaching in the wilderness. People came out into the wilderness to hear the word of God. Why? Because the power was flowing. We don't need no gimmicks. Let us not grow into a church of gimmicks, trying to figure out what can we do to bring people in the house. No, you need to mature, and you need to mature, and I need to mature so that we can all handle the capacity in which God called us to walk in. That's what we need, not gimmicks. People left their creature comforts to come to the wilderness to hear the word because the power was on. And that's all we need is for the power to be on. Amen? Amen. He said, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We got to love one another. If I don't love you, I don't care about your need. If I don't love you, then my gift can't be active. The power of God flows through love. Not this love that the world talk about, but I'm talking about true love. The love of God. That the power is turned on when we got that love in our heart for our brethren. When you see they need, your gift just can't be in operation. All the time, you know, we can pray for people, but sometimes what God got in you? Let that come around that person. And I promise you that you don't got to try to do anything. Me being a barber and having the gifting that I have, I know when people come sit in my chair because they need some counsel. They trying to get some confirmation about some things. And I know it because I can sense it in the spirit. And I don't go talking to them all spooky. Well, the Lord said. Nah, because that turns people off. You know, we have been forfeiting the power of God for religion. The devil don't mind if we come in here every week, every Wednesday, every Sunday, and we praise and we shout and we doing all that, but ain't no power operating through your life. It got to be power operating through your life because it's that power that is the effectiveness, the effectual working. It works through that power, and that power is in every last one of us in the form of the gift that God placed in you. But if you're not maturing your gift or even know that you have a gift, then you don't know the power that's in you. So how can God work through you if you don't know what you got? You got to put time and attention into these things so that God can work through you. And i tell you something. You'll never be short of a testimony. I could sit here without boasting and teach this whole class from testimonies of watching the power of God work as the Lord has worked with me through the years. Through having the knowledge of the gift of knowing what gift is being active at what time. Through listening to a person's issues and going through my, my, my Rolodex to see, 
do I got something that can speak to this? Because if I don't, then I need to keep my mouth shut. Everybody can't minister to everything. That's why each individual supply of strength so that the body can stand. Amen? Uh, so I see y'all, y'all need some, some, some proof. So go to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 1. And, and Anthony going to be my designated reader. Now, before you start, remember in Ephesians when he talked about he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, that that's the administration. That right there is the government of God, right? And before you go to that, and I just got to back up my, 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 my word before I give it uh, real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 4. You got it? Okay. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Keep on reading. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Mm -hmm. There are diversities of operation. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Key read, one last verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Amen. So we see here that the Spirit gives the gift. This is a great picture of the Trinity. The Spirit gives the gift. And it says... There are differences of administration, but it's the same Lord. The Lord administrates his government, his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the government of Christ. And every one of us has been given a gift to support the ministration that we're under. Right? And he says that, and there are a diversity of operations, but it is the same God which work all in all. God supplieth the power. To the gift that is given. It's like when, um, what's his name, Thomas. He said, show me the father. He said, have I not been with you all this time? He said, and you still don't know? He said, if you don't believe that I am the father, then believe me at least for the work's sake. Because I and my father are one. The Bible says that the son is glorified through the father. That means that the power of God flows through the work of God and the word of God. That that's what's in us. That's how God's power flow. So when we go to Acts chapter 6, go ahead, Aunt, you can read that now. Stop right there for a minute. 
He said, why should he have to leave the word to work tables? The only thing pastors should be doing in here is preparing the word. Nothing else. The only thing Pastor Heyman should be doing is preparing the word and nothing else. Because each one of us has been given a gift to handle everything else. Right? So we see that this is the reason why I said we have to be mature. Right? Because when we look at uh, verse 3, it gives us a resume of how you should look in leadership. Right? Because he says that, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. Right? That's the reason why we have to be in maturity when we operating in our gift. Because that maturity supports the administration in which we're called to. Right? And when you full of the Holy Ghost, how many of you know you full of power? When you full of the wisdom of God, how many of you know that you know what you're doing? You're not just operating out of happenstance. You operating out of God's wisdom because God gave you the wisdom to understand what you're doing. So when we read further down in that verse, we can skip to verse 5 and it says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. You see how he was maturing his gift? It says he was full of faith. He didn't have a little bit of faith. He was full of faith, right? So just a side note, it's important for us to even understand the gifts that operate within our brethren. Because if, 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 if you have the gift of administration and I'm going through some things in my body, you can pray with me, but I want Stephen praying with me. Because Stephen got full of faith. And I need some prayer and some power in the midst of my situation. That's not to say that you can't, but that's not you operating in your gift where God wants you to operate. And this is the reason why he said you must be full of wisdom. Just because you got a gift don't mean you get to use it the way you want to use it. Like I remember, you know, coming into the church and as God was teaching me the gifts and how he would um, show me different gifts at different moments. And, you know, I was full of zeal. So, you know, everybody that got into the barber chair, I had my Bible ready, and I'm ready to flick them pages so the wind can blow on your neck and cause the cape to flutter. I'm ready to beat you up with the Bible, you know? And, and, and the Lord began to show me, he began to send people to me and say, you know, God don't want you to be a fanatic, you know? God wants you to operate through wisdom. When he sent his disciples out, he said, search out among you those who are worthy. Look. Therefore, what he's saying is, look at what the Holy Spirit shows you. Find out what the assignment is in your sphere of life, in your community, on your job, in your church. And then when, you, when God shows you that, that's who you are to minister to. And you keep it right there so that the work can be done. And when I first moved to Middletown, 
um, God gave me an assignment of this brother who was in the, the barbershop I was working in. And how did I know that it was the assignment? I was a little more mature in the gift in these, in these days when I came to Middletown. I'm talking about when I was in Philly. But when I came to Middletown, when God showed me who that person was, I knew because I felt the Holy Spirit being active. And when I would talk to the brother, he would start to well up. And as he began to well up, I knew that God was ministering to him. Now, like I said, don't be spooky with your gift. Don't be what the Lord said. Just talk plainly. Because that's how we receive things, through plain conversation. Just be real with people. Don't talk to them in religious jargon. Just talk. And they'll receive that easily. And I would notice that in this time frame that God would, he showed me his heart as if his heart was a mason jar. And when the wisdom would flow, God would minister to him at specific times. And it was during those times that God would show me he would open that mason jar and he would pour into it just a little bit. And then he would close it back up. So what that telling me is, I don't need to talk to this brother about Jesus every time I see him. Sometimes we can just talk about regular things. We could talk about sports or we could talk about what's going on in politics. We could talk about other stuff. Because if I'm always trying to talk about Jesus when I'm doing it, how many of you know that that's not the effectual working? That's you being religious. And don't nobody adhere to that. People adhere to God's wisdom. And I would notice that these, these, these moments of time would keep happening periodically, periodically. And it got to the point where this brother's heart was filled. And one day he bust out the shop and he said, I love Jesus. He said, I give my life to the Lord. And this brother was a Jehovah's Witness. And I was just like, wow. And how many know that after that, I got fired? I got fired. And the brother tried to come at my character, talking about I, I didn't pay to wash girls some money that somebody gave me. I said, hold, brother, let me tell you something. <laughs> don't come at my character like that. I don't take kindly to that. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave because I realize my time is up. You understand? God don't want you to have such a foothold in somebody's life that you become their God. That every time they go through something, they calling on you. They got to grow up too. So that they can call on the one that we call on. Right? So, you know, now, oh, oh, let me, let me get to my, let me get to my, my, my other point. It said that in verse 7, it said that the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. In Jerusalem greatly. And it said that in uh, a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Wait a minute. I thought that the miracles and wonders was for Paul and them. And, and Peter and them and just the apostles. Remember I said earlier that 
God gives you a gift to support the ministration that you're under. That's why he was able to flow in miracles, because it was supporting the administration that he was under. But he was full of the Holy Ghost, and he was full of wisdom. This ain't the time for babes. It's crucial out here in the world. It's the time for mature saints and mature Christians to do the work of God in the capacity that God has called you to work in. Amen? Amen. Now, moving further into using your gift, we know that we know Christ died for us. We know that he was, he was whipped. He was bruised. We know that he shed his blood for us. We know that he's our kinsman redeemer, right? We know that we were purchased without corruptible things like silver and gold, but we was purchased with the very blood of Christ Jesus. But how, did, how many of you know, know, know this? God expects a return on his investment. If you look at how we were in the world, God came and surveyed our land. It was all, all weeded up, weeds everywhere, broken glass, broken bottles, all of these things. And the Lord looked at us, and he saw the value in that land. He saw the house that was on that land, that it was all dilapidated, coming down, funky, smelling, mold, everything. But yet, he took everything he had, and he purchased that. If, to put it in layman terms, if you were an investor and you had 300000 left to your name and you purchased some land with the last bit of money you got, how many of you know that I'm expecting a return on my investment? So the Lord expects a return on investment with us. You're not saved to be skipping through the meadows, holding hands, singing kumbaya. No, you're saved for service, yeah. to be working. Yeah. And God takes this seriously, yeah. like very seriously. Yeah. Somebody go with me to um, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. And then somebody else get Luke chapter 13, uh, verse 6. Only got three minutes? Oh, man, I got to talk real fast. Matthew 25. 14. Yeah. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability and immediately he went on the journey. Keep reading. Then he had received the five talents and went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more also. Now you, you can stop right there because I'm short on time, so I'm going to just paraphrase. We know that in this scripture, it's talking about the talent. 
But that's not talking about the talent, how good you can dance and sing. It's talking about money. But the principle that I wanted to extract from this scripture is how God, the language of the Lord and the attitude of the Lord. The language of the Lord, when the man took the five talents and he converted them to five more, the Lord said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And the same for the one that had the two. But the one who had the one, he went and hid his talent. And look at the attitude of the Lord. He said, you wicked servant and lazy. God expects a return on his investment, and he don't take kindly to not getting it. Right? And John, he said, every branch that don't bear fruit, he going to throw it in the fire. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the fire. God is serious about his return on his investment, right? And if you listen to the language of the servant, he said, Lord, I was afraid. And I went and hid my talent in the earth. What's your body made out of? It's made out of dirt, right? How many of you are hiding your gift in that dirt because you're afraid? Allowing the devil to, to use fear to keep you from giving the Lord the return on his investment. God is not taken kindly because you got fear, because he didn't give you fear. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind, and he don't operate through fear. So don't let fear keep you from operating in your gift. And another verse, the Lord talked about the fig tree. He said, these three years, he came looking at this fig tree, and this fig tree ain't bearing no fruit yet. What did the Lord say to the dresser? He said, cut it down. He said, why does it waste the land? God ain't playing with us. We playing because we playing religion. But he ain't playing. And it's time to wake up and realize that God is not playing and that he respects a return on his investment. That all of us have to bear fruit in the capacity that he called you to serve in with the gift that he gave you in the full measure that he called you to. Amen? Amen. The Lord said, cut that tree down. Why cumber it the land? And I can only see this as God talking to the pastor, why those people ain't serving? And the pastor is, is going before the Lord interceding for the people, like, well, Lord, let me, let me dung around it a little more, and let me do this a little more. And, 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 if, and if they bear fruit, then yeah, and, and if not, oh well. Pastor can't keep interceding for us. Y'all got to work. We got to work. See this vision on the wall? It's called for work. It's called for each member to operate in their gift, in the capacity that God has called you to, in the strength, in the full measure of Christ. Another thing, quick thing. I mean, I got one more minute. One more. Just one more. All right. So... <laughs> All right, so another word God showed me in this is how do you, how does this gift cultivate it? So when you look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. That you, what do he say, that you walk worthy of the vocation in which you were called. Now when you look at that vocation, it's an invitation to serve. But it's also an invitation to a line of study. 
That line of study is your gift so that you can grow in it. But how are you going to grow in it? Paul said, I'm a prisoner. You have to become a prisoner to the Lord so that you can grow in your gift, so that you can mature in your gift. And the Lord showed me that this is called specialization. And specialization is the act of specializing or pursuing a particular line of study or work. The act of being restricted to some specific. So through this specialization, I give you a quick analogy. I was reading this book on business, and it was written by this Jewish brother. And he says that you'll never see a Jewish man um, mowing his lawn or doing any kind of menial task around his house. Because they understand that if they put all their time into their craft, that they'll be sought out, that they will have enough work to, to, to do whatever because people want that specialization. And that's what God wants us to become in our gift, to be specialists in our gift. When you go through health crisis, you go see a heart surgeon, you go see what? A specialist. You're not going to see a rookie. So when it comes to us ministering, we have to be specialists in our particular area of work. Amen? Amen. And one more, one more point, and then I'm done if I can, Pastor. All right, one more. Pastor said, yeah. Pastor said, yeah. When you look at uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, it says that God gave us gifts. And this word gift means charisma. And this word charisma, I'm going to just skip to the, to the point I want to make. That charisma that God gave, the Bible, the word, the, the, the definition teaches us that it was deliverance from passion and danger. Your gift came to deliver you from the things of the world so that you could work in the capacity, in the strength, in the measure that God has called you to. Amen? Amen. 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 Just a quick one.